Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. Oh my gosh, I know that I always tell you how excited I am to have a guest here with me today, but today I have Mark Allen. Now, just in case you don't know the name Mark Allen or the publishing company New World Library, you've probably heard of Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now. Well, Mark is the president and publisher of New World Library, responsible for selling seven million copies of Eckhart's books here in the United States alone. So I'm delighted to have Mark. Now, not only is he a publisher, but he is also an author himself, including books like Visionary Business, Visionary Life, The Millionaire Course, The Greatest Secret of All. And he has a new, well, his most recent book is called The Magical Path. In fact, he's getting ready to create a year-long online seminar on living a magical path kind of life. So I'm just delighted that you're here, Mark. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Christine. It's always great to talk to you. And so wonderful to talk with you. Now, I know I've heard this story before, but our listeners maybe haven't. So would you share a little bit of, or as, well, as concisely as you can, the amazing story of how you actually got into authorship and publishing in the first place decades ago? I will try to keep it short. I was with a woman named Shakti Gawain. In our 20s, we called ourselves workshop junkies in Berkeley, going to all these workshops. And we were asked by a guy who I won't name to support him doing a five-day workshop that ended up in a New Year's celebration. I was supposed to just hand out things and support him, and Shakti was going to cook. And 25 people showed up from all over the country, and the guy got weirder and weirder before it started. And 10 minutes before it was supposed to start, everyone had gathered, ready to go. We were in the kitchen, and he just said, oh, I can't handle this, and he walked out the back door. <laughs> so Shakti burst into tears, and, and I said, well, oh, he'd already burned all the checks that came in saying we shouldn't be attached to material plane. And so... I, I said to Shaki, well, look, he's already burned the checks. I mean, we might as well lead this thing. And if people don't like it, they can have their money back. And so we led a workshop. We were in our 20s. We, uh, we never would have had the chutzpah to do a five-day seminar, but we led it. And I kept running upstairs between sessions and typing up what we had just talked about or done. And, and uh, so people would remember. And at the end of the thing, I had about 60 pages typed up that I kept running the copying and copying and passing out. And then when it was over, I literally looked up book and publish in a dictionary to, to see if I had published a book. Was this a book? And sure enough, a book is any collection of pages that has some kind of binding. And so we had, it was stapled. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. And publishing is just making it public. You can make two copies and give one to your mother, and technically you've published your book. <laughs> so that's how I literally got started. I, I put a few copies on consignment in a local bookstore, and then they told me about a local distributor, 
and they took one look at it and said, well, you've got to typeset it and you've got to have a spine for us to distribute. And, and so I did that. I got it typeset and put a spine on it. And that was the first book we published. Oh, my goodness. What was the title? It was called Reunion Tools for Transformation, which was the title of the seminar. Then basically Shakti took the same material from the same seminar, but called it Creative Visualization and wrote a much better book. My book over the years sold about like 12,000 copies and then went out of print. Her book sold 3 million and is still in print. Pretty amazing, right? That's the legacy of writing a book. Because even though Shakti Gawain isn't here in body anymore on this planet, right? Her book, her work continues to sell, which is why I think so many of you are listening here to this podcast because you know how important it is and you feel like you want to write this book, not only for you and for your readers, but for the legacy that a book can be. I mean, like, Shakti wrote this decades ago and is still impacting lives today. So thank you so much for sharing that story. I cracked up when you said the part about stapling those papers because I hadn't heard that part of the story before, but oh my gosh. And now like New World has sold, I don't even know how many millions upon millions of books, but you know, we, you never know how one little change in your life, one teacher not showing up led you on the path that you've been led on to impacting so many lives with the books that you do publish through New World. Yeah, his nervous breakdown launched my career and Shakti's career when I look back at it. Well, here's to nervous breakdowns launching yeah. careers then. Right. <laughs> so I have to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on feeling like everyone has a book in them, right? There's, there's a lot of people out there talking about, oh, I have a book, and some people write them. As we know, many people just, you know, don't do what it takes to follow all the way through, which is why I'm here doing this podcast. But do you really feel like everyone has a book inside them? I do. And I encourage everyone to write. I, I like you use the word legacy. If nothing else, it's a legacy for your family. Or if nothing else, there's, there's a feeling of satisfaction in having written a book that is unlike anything else in the world. Yeah, I do think everyone has something. Often it's a memoir, which is difficult to sell, but some kind of story. Or it can be advice for her your children, or it can be whatever it is. It can be a cookbook. Everyone has something they're passionate about. And so often that kind of passion can be turned into a, a book. Absolutely. I have to agree with you because, of course, I mean, I work with tens of thousands of people around the world who help them write those books. And a lot of people wonder, but, you know, if everyone writes that book, then it's just such a crowded marketplace and there's too many books and my book has already been written. These are some of the, you know, these are some of the little gremlin voices that I hear coaching all the authors that I do like, Oh, my book's already been written. What you're saying is not that you're saying each person has a unique perspective. Yes. Yes. No one will write the book that you will write. No one has written a book that you will write. I, I mean, as long as you just don't steal content from another book, we had a submission that was exactly the same as The Power of Now in its beginning. The guy claimed, and he wrote, it was taken right from The Power of Now. Oh, my goodness. Did he know he was sending it to the publisher of Power of Now? I mean, <laughs> I come on. <laughs> I, I called him up and talked to him. I said, this is plagiarized from Power of Now, big, huge chunks of it. Well, I read the book so much, maybe I did sort of absorb some of it. 
So as long as it's original, I do think everyone has a unique book in them. I had the same doubts and fears when I first published my little book reunion. I, I went down to a book. It was called Bodhi tree bookstore in LA. Then it was a great, oh, I loved that bookstore when I lived in LA. Oh my goodness. And it had thousands of spiritual titles. And I did walk out of there in a state of shock thinking, Oh my God, what right do I have to write anything? There's so many things already out there. So much competition. But I thought that for about five minutes walking around the block, and then I, I realized, no, no one will write the exact book I'll write. No one. There's no book like Reunion Tools for Transformation. There's no book like any of the books I've written. So everyone does have a unique voice if they get quiet and tap into that unique voice. And as long as it's based on something you're really passionate about, something you love, your book will be unique. Mm, so beautifully said. And I loved how you talked about getting quiet. What part do you feel that quiet actually plays in someone's journey of writing that unique book? Oh, it's so important. Uh, Eckhart said in an audio, he said, you know, all great art really comes out of silence. And when you do get quiet, I find, I find I write much better in the morning than I do later because I still have some of that quietness from sleep. And I know if I just take a deep breath before and let all thought go and see what emerges, the writing is way better than just getting into that chatter in my head that happens throughout the day. Mm. I want to invite our listeners actually right now, and yes, I'm talking about you, to just take a deep breath and soak that in. Because I don't know if you could just feel it as Mark was just talking about that, that all great art comes out of that quiet. I feel like some of you listening just sort of felt this huge opening and maybe took your own natural deep breath like, oh, writing this book can actually be easy. Like it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be forced. It can actually come from that wellspring of quiet in the depths of your soul is sort of what I you know, picked up as you were talking, Mark. Yes, exactly. I asked Eckhart one time why he thought the power of now did so well. And he said, all he knows is that he waited for every sentence to arise from presence. I thought that sums it up. That's why it's such a great book. And every sentence is totally unique. Yes, not forced mm -hmm. waiting. Wow, powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing that. And I think we all know as writers, the best writing does come not when you're actively thinking about it, but when you're quiet and you're, you're listening to what arises. You're just listening. I have written chunks of my books at 3 a.m. I'll wake up because I'll have a, a sentence will come to mind. And I always have pen and paper by my bed because I'll scribble down and it'll just keep coming. I'll just keep listening. And I'm, my active mind is just quiet and I'm listening to what arises. That's definitely my best writing. 
I couldn't agree more. And I just want to make sure that you all are remembering to make sure that you do have pen and paper by your bed, perhaps in the bathroom, in your kitchen, in your purse or briefcase or pocket, um, whatever it is you carry around so you can capture those ideas as they come and, you know, then open them up. Because I got to say, Mark, this was amazing. I was just hosting a retreat uh, back in December 2019. And it was a room full of people on a writing retreat. So there were people in the room together, but there was just, there was just quiet. There was a little bit of, you know, contemplative music in the background. So it wasn't dead silence, Mm -hmm. Um, but they sat together and like one woman came in so stuck, but she entered that quiet in the space of community and three days later had written 13,000 words of her very powerful transformational book. So I'm just putting an exclamation mark on the importance of the quiet. And speaking of quiet, you, I know, say yourself that writing is really an art and a craft, but that publishing is a business. Would you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Yes. And Every writer needs to really understand that and understand the difference. We've been talking about the art and craft of writing and how it's best emerging from silence. And it is a wonderful art and craft. Even a total nonfiction how-to book, whatever, is an art and a craft to present it in a in a way that hopefully reaches the broadest audience or is the clearest thing. That's very much art and craft. Then as soon as you decide to either self-publish or try to get it published, you're entering the business world. And if you're a self-publisher, you need to do everything a publisher. You are a publisher. I just started as a self-publisher. I self-published my first little three books. Then I found a little distributor And then Shakti wrote Creative Visualization, and we had a book that was selling. And then I realized I had a business. It is very much a business and requires watching the bottom line. It requires a whole different part of your brain than writing, for sure. And it's very logical, and you've got to have, with your publishing With any business, you've got to have three things under control. One is your product, and that most writers then have. That's what we're talking about here. That's the art and craft of writing something. So you've got the book. Then you have to have some way to to manufacture, produce that book. And And we're talking uh, more than staples here, yeah? (laughs) Yes, more than staples. It's it's what the staple, you know, staples was step one, I realized. And it took me about, it took me about five years to get the marketing side, the production and marketing side together and find distribution that covered the country and everything. And then the third step that took me another, well, few years after that was financial controls, making it all work financially. As, as a self-publisher, you've you got to, hopefully, you know, you've got a business. And it, it depends on what your goals are for the book. If you're producing a book of poetry or a, a memoir that you know will appeal to very few people, okay, then you don't have to go into financial controls and all that business stuff. But hopefully self-publishing you want to be successful publishing a book. Most writers do. And I've, I've met lots of them now that self-publish successfully. 
a few of them I've wanted to publish and they've said, no, they're doing so well on their own. One of them actually said, what do I need you for? <laughs> Literally said that. So they understand the business and successful self-publishers understand the business side of it. And I can't help but just point out here to make sure that our listeners understand, like, it's okay to go either way. Like, if you are publishing a memoir or you're really doing a legacy piece that is just for you and your family and you're not really building something around it, then, as Mark said, it's okay to not have that financial control, you know, piece and the marketing whole piece as much as, say, an author who is writing that signature book that is going to be a launch pad to either start or grow a business around that book. And you can, you know, certainly add to this, Mark, please, but I feel like the more an author understands the type of author that they are and what they want for their book, the better off they're going to be in making the decisions that are right for them instead of the memoirist who's, you know, maybe just writing for personal reasons, thinking that they have to build this whole big thing around the book. I mean, would you agree that it really is choice and then decisions based on that choice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I heard this statistic a while ago that only 5% of writers are successful enough to live completely off their writing. And my first thought was, well, how many of the other 95% have that goal of living successfully off your writing? I bet not many of them. Right. You know, a whole lot of writers realize, okay, this book is not going to totally support me all my financial needs for the rest of my life. So I need to do something else as well, or I need to do a series of books or, or seminars about the book and coaching about the book. Cause a lot of people in my world, you know, they come to us to write books, but they're consultants, they're practitioners or coaches of some sort. And this book is the thing that they write to help them really, you know, catapult to a new level in their existing business. Yes. A great many of our authors now are making more money off their seminars and coaching than they do off their books. Well, there's a much higher price tag, right, on those things yeah. than on a 15 or, you know, 1999 kind of book. So um, what I want to talk about now, because I think we probably have some people listening right now, maybe you who are listening right now, who are actually working on your first book. So why is that first book you believe so important in sort of affecting the rest of an author's career? What is it about the first book? That's a good question because this is something I really wish I understood when I published my first book. But I just threw together my first book, as I said. It was just notes from this seminar that I stapled and that I got distributed. And as I, it sold like 12,000, but over the next 15 years. So, you know, it, it sold less than a thousand a year. Then when I went to put out my second book, what I found was the bookstores just look at your first book to see how that did. Had I known that, I would have totally rewritten my first book the way Shakti did. Shakti took the same material and put it into a beautiful, fresh thing that was one beautifully crafted book creative visualization she called it and it's it remains it's still just an exquisite jewel of a book that still sells well her first book then did really well and and i realized too late oh if you just throw together a little something first to get something out but really think oh it's your second book that's going to be your big book i would encourage you to 
really try to craft that first book to be the best possible book because it's more of an uphill climb if you have a book out there that hasn't sold very well. Is that relevant, Mark, for people who are both in the traditional realm, kind of like want New Worlds, you know, or one of the other publishers to publish their book, or is it as relevant for the person who is self-publishing? Well, I don't, maybe it doesn't matter so much if you're self-publishing, but if you do want to sell to bookstores, I mean, I self-published, but I ended up finding a little distributor. There, there are distributors around that will pick up self-published authors. So if you want to get it in bookstores, then it matters. Because whatever your second book is, if you do a second book, then the booksellers will look at the first. Say, oh, I only sold three copies the last year, so I'll pass on this one or something. Where if they sold 30 copies, they'll say, oh, okay, I'll order 15 copies or whatever the numbers are. But I wish I would have understood that. It was my first only sold 12,000. And in the first three years, so maybe it sold 2,000 or something. <clears throat> so then I put out a second book, and that was on astrology. And it did, it ended up doing like 24,000. Then I did a poetry book that, you know, did nothing. I, I don't know how to sell poetry. Then I did finally my book, Visionary Business. And there I had crafted a big book, and there I stayed behind it and ended up selling about 50,000, 60,000. And so I worked my way up, but it, it started out a lot slower than it would have if I would have crafted that first book to be as good as Visionary Business. So then I'm just curious, what are some of the marketing tips, right? Because in today's day, I mean, there are more books out there than ever before. And many authors would be thrilled to hit 12,000, 24,000, you know, 50, 60,000 copies of their book. So I'm just assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just assuming that when you published that book, there were things that you did around, you know, that book release that brought around those tens of thousands of sales. You know, what advice would you give around the marketing aspects? Just a few tips. I mean, I don't want to go deep dive. Maybe we can have another talk another day on another episode. But for today, what, what just some basic, you know, bottom line marketing advice you have for our authors listening or soon to be authors? Yes. I keep telling people the most successful books we've done have often been taught as a course either sometimes before the book is written, but sometimes after. And I encourage any author, if you can possibly structure what you want to write into a course that you could teach like live over a weekend or teach an online course, then the book sells the course, the courses sell the books, and you're staying behind the book and selling it. It used to be like I did with Visionary Business, we would do tours of bookstores, but that is not working out financially anymore to tour the country. It's very rare unless you're already a very successful author. But any kind of local, any local stores you have, any places you can speak locally, any, and locally, you know, can be a big area. You can get into a lot of bookstores doing readings, doing signings, and that can build some momentum. For sure. Yeah. I know some of you may have listened to um, episode number two, where I interviewed my husband, who was the very first book I published back in 2004. 
And uh, he sold thousands of copies of his book, just going to Chambers of Commerce and Rotaries and Lions Club and anyone who would take them, you know, anywhere yeah. in a two-hour radius, like, he, they were on his hit list to go speak. And, you know, thousands of copies later, you know, so absolutely. Any other things that you see, like, your, your first-time authors coming out of New World Library, are there any specific things you've seen them doing that you feel has worked well? Well, yeah, yeah. It it used to be we would just publish any book we wanted. Now, in the last 10 years or whatever, we have an acquisitions committee and every book our editors pitch that they like, the marketing says, okay, what's their platform? What are they doing? What will they do to help sell this book? And so that includes building a mailing list. Uh, it includes you know all this online stuff, having a Facebook presence. There's so much you can do. I know it can get totally overwhelming to people. Uh, I remember my first book I read about self-publishing uh, was by a guy named Dan Pointer, the self-publishing manual. That's the first book I read about publishing, too, that published my husband's book. <laughs> well, I don't know if you had the same experience, but when I got to the marketing thing and saw all the things he said needed to be done, I just went into overwhelm. Yes, me too. I think he had the wrong uh, tone of voice. I think what he should have said is, there are all these possibilities, but you don't need to do them all. In fact, you can't do them all. You could spend lifetimes just promoting a book and not cover nearly everything you could do to promote a book. So you pick and choose. You do what works for you. If you have web capabilities or can work with a good web person, great. Get a website behind that book. If, if you can do online seminars based on the book, great. There are so many possibilities now with the internet to really promote your work that did not exist. Uh, yes, there's more books than ever, but also there's you can get international distribution instantly through Amazon. It's amazing. Yep. In fact, I just, you know, got my royalty checks from Amazon. It was like 12 different deposits for all the different countries and regions and aspects of Amazon print and digital that, you know, are selling my books. So it's, uh, it, it's kind of fun. Oh, and there's one other thing I just wanted to reiterate. When I work with my clients, what I often tell them is if you like speaking, then go speak to promote your book. If you like writing, then maybe start a blog or be a guest blogger. If you really love to connect and be social, then focus on social media. Like market your book in a way that feels natural to you because that's when you're most likely to actually stick with something rather than hate every time you have to like get on a podcast if in fact you don't like speaking. So find what works for you. Yes, that's excellent. I did have a real breakthrough speaking because I, uh, I remember one time in the middle of a big speech realizing, oh, what people really want is just total authenticity. They just want me being myself right at this moment. They don't want, and at least I sure don't want, this real polished, slick speaker that has all these great phrases and is a showman. You know, yes. they want authenticity. And once I, I remember realizing that in the middle of a talk and I suddenly just totally relaxed. And from that moment on, speaking has been completely fun for me. I love speaking. But isn't that also so true for writing as well? Like people want that authenticity. They don't want fancy verbiage and highfalutin sentences and words they don't understand and, you know, things that are canned. They want 
truth and authenticity and vulnerability on paper. Wouldn't you yes. say it's kind of the same? Yes. I keep saying, I mean, for nonfiction, definitely the simpler and clearer, the better. Yes. And yet total honesty and total authenticity. It's one of the first things I do when we get submissions. I, I Google the author and I try to get to know them and really find out if the book is totally authentic. Mm. So important. We are coming into our wrap up here and I do want to ask you one more question, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that everyone knows, as you know, I always remind you, make sure you go to the show notes today because Mark has actually shared with you a 20 minute guided meditation on creating your ideal scene. And that is so you can then live into that ideal scene as your reality. So I just want to make sure before I ask this final question that I don't forget to tell you to go to today's show notes for that special meditation from Mark. And if you want to check out his publishing company as well, there is a link in the show notes as well to his publishing company and some of his books and things like that. So just show notes have everything you need. But now that that is done, I want to ask you this final question. And that is what, I mean, from your perspective right now, having a, starting out with a stapled, you know, set of pages out of a seminar that you didn't even know you were going to be leading with Shakti to, you know, having probably one of the most successful independent publishing companies in the country, having worked with authors like Eckhart and Deepak and Shakti, you know, for her other books and so many more incredible authors. What? is the single most important message that you want today's listeners to walk away with from this episode? Mm, I just encourage everyone to dream and to go for it. And I encourage everyone to write a book if that's at all part of your dream. You'll never regret going for your dreams. Don't fear failure. Every successful person I know, including myself, has had quite a few failures along the way. Ooh, and me too. <laughs> yeah, they're what we need. That's how we get our education. That's how we understand how to make it work, by making missteps. So just go for it. Don't fear failure. In fact, I have this very successful friend on the phone to me the other day. He's this wild gay guy, and he says, we should celebrate glorious failure. <laughs> yeah yeah celebrate it if go for it go for your dream and if you fail hey throw yourself a party you you went for it and you failed you wiped out you might be broke or something but it's just a temporary thing you know and you keep focused on that dream and keep going for it and sooner or later somehow or other you'll get Absolutely. That book will be done and you'll have that, you know, amazing day when you start getting those thank you letters or seeing reviews on Amazon from people you've never met, will never meet, whose lives you've impacted. So yes, dream and don't fear failure. What a beautiful way to wrap up today's episode. Mark, as always, such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for taking the time to be here and to share your wisdom with everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christine. I, I love the work you do. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great work. I love it too. So that makes two of us. All right, everyone. Bye for now. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today 
And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.